1893, Chicago's Columbian Exposition. Over 125 years ago, the Columbian Exposition was staged in Chicago on Lake Michigan's shoreline. Visitors from around the country and world were first introduced to many industrial technologies and commercial offerings that would shape 20th century culture. This book explores a collection of event photographs and juxtaposes them against a set of modern images to catalog the living remnants in art and architecture around the city as a legacy to the 1893 World's Fair. 1893, Chicago's Columbian Exposition, now available from Amazon. Audiobook version available soon. Hello and welcome to Party Line Chat. Uh, the music's not working today, but that's all right. Uh, this isn't a, a, a perfectly flawlessly executed operation every single time. Uh, there's ghosts in the machine. Today joining us is Mike in Space. Do you want to introduce yourself verbally so that everybody knows what you look like on the screen yeah hi i'm uh, mike in space um bitcoin content creator troll whatever and the other guys hanging out today with us from the usual party line crew you guys want to introduce yourself so hey this is brian uh i have the paper bag on my head on twitter what's up happy sunday Hey, Tim here. Inertia. Circle guy. Circle guy and Mr. Paperbag on his head on Twitter. Uh, so, Mike, welcome to Party Line. Thanks for coming and hanging out with us. Hey, thanks for having me. Sorry for uh, delaying the episode by an hour, but like the weather is, is so nice outside. And, and, you know, my wife is saying, you know, the kids need to get outside and ride their bikes. And it's, you know... It's hard to to make the case that no, I, I need to go in the basement and, and record a podcast. So thank you for um, postponing the episode. Hey, that no helped problem. a lot. Hey, I'm glad everybody needs to get outside. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't blame you. And obviously, yeah, uh, your wife's not going to understand. Right. Exactly. But, you know, I got to go talk to Bitcoiners in my basement. <laughs> incredibly important. This this whole uh, <laughs> gathering is in the grand scheme of things, how has, uh, the quarantine or lockdown or whatever you'd like to, to use in terms of terminology affected you? And well, I mean, overall, I mean, my wife and I are, are both working from home. That's kind of, it's kind of nice to be honest. Um, but we also have the kids just bouncing off the walls constantly, right? They, they want to go outside and, you know, my wife and I at least get a bit of a reprieve from time to time to go to the grocery store, but like the kids are just like locked inside. So it's, it's a little hard dealing with them, but um, now the weather's getting nicer and you know, on bike rides and get out a bit. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a unique situation with this whole pandemic. What about the other guys? Uh, how it's been a while. I think we haven't talked since, you know, we've kind of bent the curve, as they might say. How are you guys doing? Yeah, it has been a little bit. Uh, been doing pretty good, you know, just working, uh, staying busy. A lot of um, the uh, parks around here are still all taped up and shit, yeah. so it's uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a little fun. I'm lucky enough that I can work um, remotely. 
chip in order to. Um, I think probably through May as well. Um, but yeah, there's I, I had like a fire incident earlier in the month, so my uh, lockdown experience is is a little different than most. So I'm kind of holed up at a family member's house uh, until middle of May or so. So it's just like extra lockdown. Well, you know, uh, I think everybody's done their part so far. I need, I need, I need a haircut is the status. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the current status. <laughs> Yeah, I need a haircut for sure. Wouldn't complain about one. So, Mike, uh, let's go back in time and you can tell us kind of maybe how you fell into uh, Bitcoin a little bit or even just how you, where it kind of fit within the context of other things that you were doing at that point in your life or whatever, you know, you'd like to, to talk about. Okay, so um, I got into Bitcoin in early 2013. Um, just been in the news, you know, I saw it. And uh, I thought I'd drop some money into it. And uh, I, was, I was pretty low-key for a number of years um, on Twitter until about 2016 or so. That's when I, I started to make some content, some silly And... Um, Bitcoin Car Talk. That was a show I did for a little bit, and uh, I, w- I was what a lot of people would call a maxi, you know, Bitcoin maximalist for for the longest time. And then in 2017, I got a bit disillusioned with the whole thing. Seemed to get a little mean spirited, um, and so I just have a bit more of a, a different perspective now. I'm, you know. I, I'm still a fan of Bitcoin, BTC, but I don't really like the kind of the cult elements to it. So I'm kind of trying to be a bit more objective these days. And that's that's where I'm at right now. Aren't any of the projects or strains of Bitcoin or even just other communities in general, aren't they all kind of a little cultish? I think so. You have I to- think, yeah, I think... Yeah, it's a way that these things bootstrap. You kind of need that, you know, the, the passionate fan base, that that cultish core to kind of get it to the next level. Like, so it's it's kind of funny. Like, so with with some projects, they don't even have that, and that's kind of concerning a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I look at like like BTC or even BSV, and it has that core. And then I look at like Bitcoin Cash, and it's it's a it's a noble project what they're trying to do but i see a lot, a lot of multi-coiners like even you know like roger veer like he's a multi-coiner and he's sort of the face of bitcoin cash so that's a little concerning because i think you do need sort of that cult element to kind of bootstrap the currency in the early days at least What uh, what are you looking forward to for the rest of this year? Once besides, like obviously, getting outside regularly. Um. Well, the happening is coming up in what ten days or so. Um. 
Yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, I I had plans to go to some conferences later in the year, but I think they're all canceled at this point. So it's, what am I looking forward to? It's kind of up in the air based on how long this pandemic lasts, I think. Hmm. Oh, this is, I see it didn't share out on Twitter. Sorry, guys. Uh, let me do that to make sure that it's actually... <laughs> um, you guys want to fill in for just a second while I Mike I thought you started Car Talk before 2016 that was a, you started uh, that in 16 I'm uh, pretty sure I'd have to go back I think it was 2016 it was basically it was at the tail end of the Bitcoin Uncensored podcast I remember that so Christopher Rose and John Seth they, they kind of went their own ways and that, that was kind of the point where I created Bitcoin Car Talk, and I think that was 2016. Did, uh, did their uh, show kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, like inspire you to do yeah, something absolutely. comedical? Gotcha. Yeah, no, it's, that's how it all started. Basically, um, I got involved, you know, just as a listener, but then I started creating some content, and they were nice enough to kind of highlight some of it on their show and that kind of, you know, created like a positive feedback loop and I kept creating more content based on that uh, relationship. So yeah, definitely that, that, that inspired me to a uh, great extent early. Do you, uh, do you remember like uh, the moment when you started to become less maxi? Yeah. Like the thing that turned you? Yeah. Yeah. It was um, after um, the you know the whole US, UASF thing. I found that it, you know the term "sore winners" like they won, but they were sore about it, and it was like it kind poor of sportsmen. Really, yeah, poor sports. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like okay, you won. You don't have to kick mud in everyone's faces, and it just kind of left a bad taste in my mouth because you know I, I have friends in. Bitcoin Cash and BSV and, you know, different coins. And it's like, I see with these maxis, it's like you can't even be friends with them if if you're you're not aligned with, you know, their coin. And it's like, that. it just seems silly to me. So I just kind of took a step back at that point because I, I, did, I didn't want to. Just uh, wanted to let everyone know that Tony from Clutch hopped in here if he wants to say hi. Oh, hey, what's up? Hello, all. Sorry I'm late. Uh, Mike, it's good to hear your voice. And uh, very on, so it's good to be with you guys. Mike, has Tony helped you with Twitch support yet? Yeah. <laughs> every time, yeah, every time I go to Twitch, I see him in the lower right corner, I think, right? That little bubble pop up. That's me. Yeah. That's me. <laughs> yeah. Well, are, how, are you, how are you liking Twitch? Uh, it's, it's great. It's great on the desktop. still have problems on the iPhone. I know that's it's that whole money button integration with Oh yeah. It's you guys gotta sort that out because you need to be on mobile. And it's definitely kinda of hard right We're now. working really hard on kind of we, we we introduced some bugs in the last two weeks and we're just trying to work that out now. So mm. good. Yeah it's it's really improving. It's like uh, the new uh, interface is with the I, I love the new really interface. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. 
But yeah, thanks for having me on, Mike. I, I no came problem. in at the end of kind of your your explanation, your story about when you were becoming less, less maxi. You know, yeah. I, I kind of had a similar transition where uh, about a year and a half ago, I just kind of got past my BTC intolerance and started trying BSV. Yeah. And I noticed that it worked. I mean, it worked for some of the things that, you know, we're trying to do, like with Twitch. But, right, yeah. Um, I find some, some different people and personalities that are kind of more open-minded on this side of things. So. Well, there's definitely some cool things happening. Like uh, a lot of those un- unwriter projects, like there's one called Bottle. It's a really neat browser where you just, you know, you can look things up on the blockchain. You can find entire websites that have been uploaded or, or movies or audio. And it's like the way I look at it is, is that, gonna, is that long-term sustainable? I have no idea, but in the moment right now, it's usable to me. So like, that's, that's what matters to me right now. You know, it's like, I'll let them figure out if that's long-term sustainable, putting everything on the blockchain or whatever. But right now in 2020, these are usable services where I can interact with people like on Twitch or whatever. And it's, it's fine. It's great. So I don't have a problem with it. Yeah. That's a fair assessment of them. I mean, uh, obviously Twitch is like displayed a lot of the potential in terms of content on the blockchain yeah. and how to socialize that and monetize it. Well, the thing is like, no one ever says, Hey, um, I'm not, I'm not too sure about Twitter's backend. You know, I'm not going to use Twitter because I don't, I don't know if what they're doing is sustainable behind the scenes. People just use Twitter right. because they find value in it. Right. It, it's, it's not up to me to figure out what's going to work long term that's their problem right for me it's a free service it's it's what's better than free i'm getting paid to use it so it it has utility today for what i'm for me right so that's all i care about right now Uh, it works i mean at enough people and you get a few responses like i tweeted at like scott adams who's the creator of dilbert and he agreed to do an episode or i forgot email. yeah you had oh, scott wow. adams on your show that's so yeah he was like at the time he was promoting some sort of ico or something so he was, yes he was up for it um you know i emailed i i found like uh richard stallman's email address and i emailed him and it's you just it's just determination right sometimes you know with some of these guests you're waiting months you're pestering them to to send you like 30 seconds of video um who was the hardest the hardest probably uh luke luke was the hardest because i kept he, he agreed to it and then um it it was like four months for him to send me like 30 seconds of video but it was worth it in the end. I think that's probably one of the the, the highest like, rated episodes in terms of like viewer. I've never seen the Luke Dash one. I'll have to look it up when we're done. Yeah, and it's uh, yeah, it, 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 it is surprising to me how many people I was able to get. But it was just sort of like it's just determination, right? You, you, you stick on people. Eventually, they they you just wear them down, and they're like, "Okay, I'll record this for you." 
<laughs> and then and then you come on to the party line chat. <laughs> um yeah, so did they talk or did you talk at any length about like the stuff you were doing with coin spice? Um or maybe the next direction you intend to go with your content. I mean, it's, I don't, I don't really, uh, there's no plan. There's no grand plan. If things come my way and I do them like with the whole coin spice thing. It was like, people were suddenly angry with me. They're like, Oh, he's, he's now aligned with Bitcoin cash. And I'm like, no coin spice said, Hey, do you want to do some skits? I'm like, okay. And that, that was the extent of it. Right. And, uh, nothing against Bitcoin cash, but it's, you know, I have friends there, but I'm not really invested in it. But it's they gave me a, a platform to do content, and I took it. And, and really, that's so. There's there's really no plan. It's landed my lap, and I decide to do it or not. Yeah. Just rolling with the punches. Yeah, and I mean, it turned out pretty well like that whole uh the mempool report we did a, like six or seven skit um last summer and it was part of uh peter ryan's uh live it was sort of like a like a it, it was interesting to me about it was it was sort of like this late night talk show format which we haven't really seen in crypto so that was fun while it lasted uh, uh um yeah i i like doing different things you know things you wouldn't expect if you were to be on a legit panel or be invited to speak as a as a keynote speaker or something like that, what would you address? What, uh, what do you think would be the thing that you really wanted people to understand or know about? Well, I could arrive. Yo, what's up? I said, why Peter Ryan left? Yeah. Why did yeah. Peter Ryan leave? <laughs> I, he kind of got disillusioned with the whole space, from what I could tell. Uh, he kind of pulled back the curtain a little bit and didn't really like what he saw. I think he saw a lot of manipulation just behind the entire, the entire crypto space is manipulated to a certain extent. You know, there's these, you know, in we see all these sort of this, these, these factions fighting and, but it's, 10 guys behind the scenes that control the whole space. Uh-oh. So you're pulling the wrong one. Cut off. Okay. No, 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 we're, we're all good. It's just that, uh, since I rebooted now, you know, I don't want people to go to go into the old, the old one, but it's, it's inevitable, you know, it's messed up. So there's nothing you can do. It's just how it is. Um, who are the people? Who are these people? <laughs> who are these people? Brock Pierce owns like half. He he he's involved with crypto capital and crypto cap funds. Like basically every company in the space. To, there's very yeah, like there's there's very. You'd be surprised how few people there are kind of pulling things behind the, the whole scene. I mean, look at Tether and Bitfinex and 
how they're able to manipulate things, right? Yeah. Do you think that uh, those are bad things, or do you think that's just the nature of how? I yeah, how things I think we're in a small or... market. Um, I don't know. Lately, I, I've been thinking the entire crypto space is kind of like a casino. You know, that's all there really is to it at this point. So I, I have become a little bit more skeptical and decisioned with kind of the the, the world changing um, aspect of it. You know. It's kind of like it's set up to fleece people to service. Yeah, I think that there still is, like, you know, obviously there's world changing uh, capabilities, but just the, the general market and the way that it's set up is just uh, a, just exchanges, which are just a bunch of casinos. Yeah. Well, that's what 99% the the activity is on exchanges, right? Like the volume. So. Yeah, you're just they're just making bets. Yeah. Okay. Mike, when did you get into? Uh, I got into Bitcoin early 2013. So it was just in in the news, you know. I'd heard about it. It was like interesting. It wasn't a friend. It was. No, no, reading and hearing. Yeah, exactly. I heard. I don't even re- recall where I heard it. Uh, maybe flash dot or something. But yeah, I don't, um, I don't remember the first time, but I remember the second time. Yeah. And I, re- I mean, in the early two thousands, I was kind of into the whole kind of bit torrent scene, and so, you know, there was the whole the whole decentralized tech there. So I was kind of like I had a foot in it already, and then when I heard about Bitcoin, it kind of clicked. I'm like, oh, this this looks interesting. So, Mike, can you give the, the listeners a little preview into what you talked about with Luke on your show? Did you go over um, <laughs> his, his unique take on, on the calendar year, um, complex math system that he has, yeah. or, uh, or maybe homeschooling schedule? Yeah, like. Like, like most of the episodes of Bitcoin Car Talk, nothing really happens. It's just um, a lot of nonsense. So, so basically, I'm talking to Luke, and I find I real um, I double book the interview, so I'm kind of conducting two interviews at the same time, and it's 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 hard to explain. But uh, I'm like, I, yeah, yeah. So I've got my face on an iPad, and it's pre. Luke's talking to a pre video, and I'm talking to someone else on the other side of the car, and it's, craziness why car uh the first episode i i was just sitting in my car and and i just recorded something just uh, off the cuff and and that was it i just put it out as big it just came bitcoin car talk i I like the title you know know what's crazy about that is that um there's it there's there's a couple people that i that I follow on YouTube, and one of them, he just reviews things, but he does it from the driver's seat of his car. Right. Sometimes there's a Chick Fil A cup sitting next to. Him. Sometimes there's not. Maybe a candy bar. 
Um, <laughs> and then there's another guy who does, you know, he does like you know video game reviews or whatever. He rants about movies that suck. Um, and then recently he started doing these car. Like I think he he drove across country or whatever, and to keep up with his video output, he uh, did he did car uh, car videos. Right. And so they and what's funny is they both. Um, reported back that the videos from their car better views really? than the videos from their like their room. So he might have been ahead of the curve there uh, in terms of like the car video as a, yeah. as a platform, <laughs> as a, as a environment, uh, somewhat popular. What's funny is in like I think maybe late 2016, I was making like videos in my car, just like on my way to work and posting. And uh, people didn't like them. <laughs> they used to say, like, you should make them, like, in an office or something. You should have a backdrop. Why do you make videos? It's hard to get the audio good, especially if you're driving while you're doing it. That's what I found out early on. So I stopped. I just started doing them with the car turned on. I couldn't get a good audio. Yeah, it's rough. The uh, Basically, the compression and everything to, to yeah. get the background yeah. noise kind of su- suppressed um, out of there and everything is have you done a party line mobile what's that mm. have you done a party line mobile have i done party line yeah. mobile i can't do party line yeah. mobile i'm required too many objects oh that's true i've seen it yeah if you guys <laughs> he need, he needs a virtual like a browser based uh mix their mixing board for that i think i don't even use a mixing board anymore actually i just use the the interface there's um solving a problem i don't know if anybody watches like uh what's his name lao wai the guy from china he kind of blew up when he identified the doctor that went missing from the wuhan lab and then he identified um the job postings from the wuhan lab from last year um he's like an expat that lived in china for a while and he was doing YouTube videos, and he has a buddy that he does, and they do normal videos where they sit and they talk. But they do then they do these videos where like they're on this like uh, short. I'm gonna get it wrong, but they're on like a short range radio as they as they dirt bike through like um, Vietnam or uh-huh. Taiwan or something. Uh-huh. And the videos are there. The video is the GoPro of them biking through, but the audio is their conversation yeah. as they're talking to each other on their bikes, and it's um. It's crazy how like, engaging that is to watch. Yeah, because you know, they'll talk about something, but you're just watching the scenery. And I, th- I think that, like, um, I, th- I think it's interesting that that the car video again for a couple of the people I've seen do very well, and like you know that it, it worked for Mike as a, as a platform. I think there's I think there's something to said be said for like doing content in places that everybody knows. You know. Everybody knows their drivers. By the way, what do we think about this uh, Five Eyes dossier? Is it authentic? I think that was purposely leaked. Yeah. Bet you it's authentic. Yeah. Wait, wait, what is this now? So basically, they confirmed the the Five Eyes. It's the five intelligence agencies. Um, they they something got leaked where they basically. Confirmed everything we already knew. Where well, first of all, the five eyes have to check their privilege, and then they can talk about the you know the coronavirus. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that it, it was, it might have been developed in a lab, and that uh, live samples were held back, so a vaccine couldn't be created in advance of it, you know, coming to the rest of the world. Kind of refused yeah. to hand over live samples. Right. Not yeah. Um, the, the report's pretty incredible. There's a good zero hedge article on it. Um, it gets real detailed to the point where, like, they know where they they know where they know what bat cave they collected feces. Wow, but, like, that's insane. Wow. Yeah, it's like the Yunnan province is where they got the feces for the current. Um, wow. The only thing that bothers me about the Five Eye report, Mike, is that yeah. there's zero mention. And I understand that, like. Uh, scientists just study stuff. Like it, that's the point of being a scientist. Um, and I know they say they were trying to figure out how easily it was transferable from bat to man or human or whatever. Um, I just don't understand. Like, like there has to be a why. Like, what is it about the bat virus that they're looking? Like, what are they looking for there to? spend all this money on because like this place had mad money like international funding i mean fucking dr fauci funded part of this like he gave them like a million dollars on a virus laboratory um had mad um and it's just well known that they were you know looking at this coronavirus bat virus and they wanted to know how it could transfer how easily it is transferable but no one's saying, like, why? Like, are they looking for a cure for this? Are they looking for a pathway to another type of treatment? Like, most of the time, you know, like, why you're researching something. I would you know assume I mean? that's the reason. Why else would you be... They aren't saying why. Yeah. You know, because, like, one of the things that, like, I think, like, it sucks, but it's like an optics thing, right? So, like, uh, let's say, like, th they were looking for a cure for cancer or a specific, a, a very specific kind of cancer. But like, wouldn't you like put that in the report? Like, Hey, we know worldwide pandemic, but sounds this, this, well, yeah, for sure. But this is like, why? this is why no one's saying why they were doing what they were doing. I think, I just think that's weird. I think that's very strange. It was just the next Everest. They could, you know, so they did. Cause at least, and even still like China, the worst would be like, would be like at the very, at least would be like, yeah, we made this big mistake, but we're China. We were trying to do something great. You know what I mean? Like, right. that's the press release I would see coming out of China. It's like, in our efforts to prevent the world's worst disease, yeah. we mistakenly created this other disease. Well, I mean, whether it came out of a lab or out of a wet market, the fact that they were withholding these live samples, you know, allowing people to, like, fly around the world before they lock down, and, like, it's crazy. China cares more about saving face than quite literally anything. Yeah. Um, from my understanding, it's like a generational difference. Like um, the newer, the newer, younger Chinese like hate the culture of like uh, the face and like right. uh, optics above everything. Um, but the Chinese boomers, they, they just want they want face, kind mm -hmm. of stop. So um, yeah, I don't know. I, um, I think one of the silver linings at all, about all this is like it's forcing people to start to like ask like how do you do business like generally speaking business should be I'm going 
going to try to get something and you're going to try to get something. We're both going to try to be happy. But, but like, that's not the business relationship with China. Oh, that's the thing. Um, do, we, do we go back to how it was? Or is this, or like, well, what happens now? Is, is manufacturing- well, Apple's already moving their phones to Brazil. Right. Yeah, I think. yeah. Um, and I don't know what that means. I don't know how much. It could just be a big Tim Cook, uh, Tim. Right. Um, but I think the answer kind of has to be you no. Know, like, even if, like, the, uh, you know, elites and the powers that be, the people that make, like, economic, want, like, let's just say, for example, um, you know, Company A was doing mad business in China, and after this, they're still doing business in China about it but i have a feeling like a lot of americans are going to kind of take a gander and if the product something that is like i think when you're when you go out shopping yeah but i mean when you go out shopping is it really going to influence what you buy when you know the chinese version is 30 percent less I think in the beginning it's going to matter a lot, and yeah. then month after month it's just going to matter less and less. Yeah, you know, like it'll just have like a, a petering out. But I, I think, I think for things like medicine, uh, like critical critical things, uh, you gotta gotta take a second look at that, like on like a national. But I don't know. Like, we've never been here before? National discussion about, like, how do we do business with a country? So I don't know what that looks like. But I think, I think a lot of companies are going to look into diversify. Just because, like, I think... I think, think self-interest yeah, at this it's, point. It's like a smart uh, decentral if you're all in China. So I think just logically, you know, yeah. What's the uh, sort of bucket for? What's like the scuttlebutt? Because in America, like we're very, we're, we're very like scuttlebutt. I think it's the worst. Uh, like, uh, what's the feeling about? Um, you mean you make the same question? The same question like, how is it about about China and the finalizer uh, report? Oh. Uh, you know what? I mean, my I I'm, I'm mainly exposed to Twitter, so I, I you know I get I, because I've been in lockdown. I'm not really talking to coworkers really about this stuff. It's Americans or whoever I was before on. Twitter. So I don't really have the Canadian perspective. I don't think anyway. that's hilarious. I mean, who would I talk <laughs> to? I don't know. That's funny. You're in Canada. <laughs> I mean, I'm on Twitter though, right? It's sure. But no, I um, I think the Five Eyes thing is real, and I think that it was not a mistake that he got leaked. Those five countries are kind of like tired of tired of uh, the the Chinese government kind of being like. Oh, nothing to see here. It fell off a truck. Yeah. Now, if they held back live samples, isn't that easy enough to verify? Like, would it like 
you know, American research facilities say, well, we were asking for these live samples and they weren't giving them to us or like, isn't that easy enough to verify? I'd imagine it's, I'd imagine it's hard to believe that they did not have, if, if so, if the request was, Hey, can we have a hundred of these live samples? Yeah. If, if, Oh, we have no sample. I think it's logically that, you know, you're China, you clearly have live samples. So, right. but, but, um, yeah, yeah, I think the rest of the world is kind of getting tired of that kind of response. Like, like, oh, there's no live samples here. What are you talking about? It's like, it's like, bro, we like, you know, you can say like, like you're, you don't have education camps, but like we have, right. Like, China's just bagged that Bob like all day long. Yeah. They're just bagged that Bob about everything. So I don't know what you do about it though, but I think it's pretty obvious they had some. And if people were requesting it and the answer was no, and it's pretty obvious they they were unwilling to give out what they knew, you know? Right. Do you think that America would, though? Like, or any other country? I think it's just that China got caught. <laughs> I think America would, depending on who asked. I think that we have enough of these incidents where things have gotten loose that um, we should probably create some kind of general protocol for accountability i guess in the sense of like saying okay well we can basically track this down and say this occurred here at between we just gotta put such time like who the specifics are don't so much matter is the fact that like maybe there's an issue with this facility or maybe there's an issue with your standards at large when you're managing these kind of uh hazardous materials well one that that's supposed to be organization pretty much and china basically put the chairman or president or leader, whoever the, you know, the main person is right now. in charge. That's, like basically- that's also weird to me because the U S is still like, or was the largest funder of the who and, and China, China wasn't even number two. Right. So why, why is the who's so beholden to China? Resources. Like most of it is just like either resources by supply chain or resource rare earth elements what um is, what does the who care about that what, what does that have to do with the who though? well i mean if, if you're concerned about if you're if you're like um what's the word uh if you're facilitating you know uh different organizations that have to kind of cooperate with and china is the one of the world's you know probably the world's leading supplier of like just general medicine right Especially, also, like, they probably are the world supplier of, like, all the PPE. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? So, uh, I can understand them having some pull on, like, you know, the, the G or whatever. Um, but to answer Phil's question, I think that a country would hand over that data. To, and um, the problem, I think, with China is, like, I think they just look at I, I, who were China's main friend in the world. You know what I mean? Like their big, their their like best friend in the world, probably North Korea, which is crazy. You know what I mean? Because like I don't think Russia would ever step up to help out China if it, if like shit got you know, um, and. Africa is just like trying to just owns them on like a balance sheet kind of way. So like, 
I also don't see China being friendly with too many countries. Where I think the United States, if, I don't know, at least at least half the countries in the world asked for some kind of viral data. I think we we would, depending, they weren't like you know we weren't at war with them or they're you know a quote unquote terrorist country or whatever. So the right agreement, I think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, no, no question. I mean, states are reporting the data, and we can actively watch the data kind of rolling through how specific all that information is, or what what else might They're be not, accessible. Not reporting yeah. accurate. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Didn't I, the CDC I mean, just reduce but, the, the death? Or so I mean, like anyone can just run an RSS feed <laughs> and say that that's that's real news. Sure. Right. Which is essentially what they're doing. Like they're just saying, "Oh, this many people have died of this," and it's really not. Well, I think that because they, what, we're, what we've seen, right, is that Corona has become like a very easy medical coding uh, beneficiary, perhaps, to lump a lot of things together um, and charge additionally for it. Yeah. Um... I can't speak to it like that because, like, I don't know anybody personally that's like been hospitalized with it or anything like that. Um, the basically the way they're lumping things together is, I don't know, disingenuous at best. Um, but I thought that I think we'll keep seeing flexibility in the numbers. I think that you know, as as things get altered um, or corrected for various reasons, uh, you know, the numbers will change. I mean, China came out with additional numbers months after the the fact. So do I think it'll go up? But, uh, I don't know. Speaking of Scott Adams, um, I, his, uh, his, his periscope today talked about how apparent uh, ventilators don't even work. And apparently... We, we don't really know if uh, the Gilead drug is going to actually decrease the death rate at all. Um, so the amount of stuff that we... Part of me thinks that, like, um, this virus happening in the middle of, like... Because we're in, like, the early stage of everybody having... Everybody in the world having, like, a, a very powerful computer in Right. In a video camcorder and an audio recorder, um, be able to have stuff. Um, not everybody, but most. Um, I think that has a lot to do with uh, fudgy the data is how messy the stats are. How we don't really know if the drugs that were that people are prescribing like are working, and so you you combine that with the the fact that it is just a respiratory disease and that it's going to cripple people with existing respiratory diseases. It makes it just very murky. Um, Can anybody draw a line between Gilead and Fauci? Oh, I think he owns Stockton. But I don't know if it's the way that, like, um, you know, if he owns a mutual fund that holds Gilead stock. Or if he uh, but um, there's some kind of connection between them. 
Yes. Um, there is, and there is also, there was another uh, company that that he had a stock connection to. Mm. Um, but I forget the name. Uh, I'm just, I'm actually looking at Google News right now. Um, yeah, I don't remember it either, but it was with, like, uh, it was the first. It was the company that came out. You know, uh, a vaccine. It was like the first. Fuck up about. Yeah, yeah, and then 